podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Leeds Up Podcast. I'm James and I'm with Rocco Dean. Hello. First of all, big announcement. Bass and Bly will be sponsoring Leeds That for the remainder of the season. So huge thank you to them. Bass and Bly are Yorkshire's premier optics retailer. They sell the best in photographic equipment and optical equipment. I've said equipment twice. That's pretty rubbish, isn't it? Such as binoculars and spotting scopes. And they're obviously perfect if you're stood at a fence with a, a large cable cutters. Not that there'll be many people in our, our listener base that, that do that, I'm sure. But I was in the shop the other week visiting in Harrogate and honestly, it's such a great place and you have to go visit it as you'll be, well, particularly if you're a photographic enthusiast or there's someone in your family who you're looking for kind of a gift, particularly coming up to Christmas, but you will be inspired by how many cameras, lenses, collectibles, gift ideas, things like Polaroid cameras, cameras they've got. So definitely go there. Spend some time looking in the shop, but in Harrogate. But if if not, take a look at bassandbly.com. The links in our podcast blurb and also on our website, uh, which they're also currently working on a new one at the moment as well. So yeah, bassandbly.com. Chat with Justin about Leeds as well. If you just want to chat Leeds, go in and and have a natter. Yeah, that's it. Well, when I went in, I had a good natter, and I could see his eyes roll as I walked in because he he thought, oh god, he's coming in to talk about Leeds, isn't he? He's like busiest day of the week, Saturday. Got someone in talking about Leeds. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks ever so much to Bass and Bly and make sure you go there very soon. Cool. Straight into podcast. What what an what a phenomenal weekend. Friday night. Um the, I mean a lot of people talk about Farker and his cake and him him having a cake after a win because he said it once. Uh, he might have said it a few times, but the what the one that stands out this season when he was managing Leeds in particular, but for us, Rocco, it's all about the Schwarzwalder Kirschtorte, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. I hope which we got is, stuck into it. Which isn't a black sausage, it's a black forest gas. As we all know. But in the run-up to the game, we actually posted on Threads, which is Facebook Better's new platform, people's predictions for, for the game. And Al Lockton messaged us on there, and he said, I've been thinking about Leicester. They played well, but pulled the wool over a lot of fans' eyes. They've scored the most goals, I believe, after 80th minute, and most of them have led to a win by a one nil. Sorry, by a one goal margin. Sunderland took it to them and maybe should have come away with the win. Leicester were lucky in that one. I hate to predict Leeds games, but Sunderland is the closest they've come to a team coming at them. Might be a better game for us than most are expecting. Question mark. I think he called that right, didn't he, Rocco? He did indeed. Yeah, and it's a good point. And also something I've been thinking about along the similar lines is uh, the first League One campaign under Wise when I think we had the same amount of points as Leicester have, if not more, um, at this stage of the season. And they were all, well, half of the wins were like late goals, you know, narrow wins. And it caught, wasn't it caught up with us in the end, clearly. So yeah, there's a long, long way to go, as we've said before, but yeah, I thought Friday night was amazing and a really good game. Leicester are a good team. Like they, they, they did play well as well, as Farker said. Just a cracking match, wasn't it? Like, I, and it's funny as well because you think, you know, if those two teams had have survived last season and then they were coming up against each other in the Premier League, the match wouldn't have been anything like that. Like, I can't really picture what it would have been like, but it wouldn't have been anything like that. It was just, just great to see brilliant football. Great advert for the championship, as they like to say. 
great Friday night, you said. I think you were in particular out on a date night because it was your 40th or you're out on a date, should I say. Was it one of those nights where you had to have your your phone lent up against the pint glass, like obscured by a, a bowl of veg, so you, your good lady didn't know you were watching the football? Oh, yeah, this is the longest 40th birthday celebrations ever. I've still got another week to go, but we went away for my 40th, yeah. So we were in York on Friday night and we'd obviously booked this before the game got moved. But luckily, dinner was at seven o'clock. So by half time, I was in the pub watching the game. So yeah, similar to last week, didn't see the first half um, until I watched it on a rerun today. But the second half was great. Like we just looked... We looked the better team to me. We really did. I know, obviously, we had to do a lot of defending in the end once we were in the lead, but that's that's game management, isn't it? It was brilliant. I'll tell you what is game management. Saying, luckily, booked a table at seven o'clock. You're a, you're a strategic man, Rocker. Yeah, <laughs> belt and braces. So we've won four out of our last five games. And I mean, the, the most annoying thing in that is losing to Stoke, but I don't want to dwell on that because we're, we're all about the good times at the minute. And... Coming into this game, Shax was injured. Furpo was back in the mix, which was kind of one of the big talking points. And yeah, what were your thoughts on when you saw the team or when you heard about the team? I was a bit surprised that Craig came back in, actually. Farker's sort of, yeah, surprised me a few times when he's brought players back in for players who have played well. Obviously, Shackleton had a great game against Huddersfield. And then, like on other occasions, like he didn't bring Rodon back, which obviously was surprising. So yeah, to see Archie come back in was... A bit of a surprise, but mainly, I guess, just relief that the potentially injured players were all, were all all right. And yeah, we we needed them, didn't we? Byram, again, was brilliant at left back. I mean, Furpo, will he be second choice or maybe third behind Shaq? I'm not really sure, but just need Byram to stay fit. I can't believe how good he is. He gets better and better, I think. He is very good and... Going into the game, there was obviously a nice, peaceful observation of the last post. It's always interesting, I think, because there's sort of total silence, mutual respect. And then the whistle goes and it's straight into a, a sporting battle. And it, and it did feel like that at times, you know, particularly in the first five minutes, I thought it was we were in for a, a good battle. We were pressing really high. I think Ampadu won it back high, high up from Leicester passing out from the back, passed it into Joel Piru. And yeah, it was, it was a bit annoying that he didn't convert yeah. that one in the first few minutes because that would have changed the game. You know, maybe for the, maybe for the, maybe for, maybe for worse, you know, maybe actually everything panned out the way it should have done, but that was it. Yeah, it was. It annoys me though when like, so like Don Goodman says, ah, oh, he's got to be hitting the target. I mean, if his aim was to hit the target, it'd have just hit the target. He'd <laughs> put it down the keeper's throat. Like he had to go. For the corner. So it, I didn't think it was a terrible effort. I, well, the first time I th- saw it, I thought he could have maybe taken it first time on his right, just curled it into the, the opposite corner first time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but then on one of the replays, I'm not sure whether that was completely on. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't that bad. We, I mean, we had a lot of sort of half chances that didn't quite come off. I think Rutter, even though he scored, probably actually had his worst game for a while. Not that he played badly. I thought he was great. But yeah, there was a few times where, yeah, he just, either his touch let him down or his decision or, you know, just just couldn't quite get something out of his feet. Yeah, Peru, I don't know. Like, he, I mean, he was quiet. I thought he was quiet. I thought he had a quiet evening. And I think it's pretty clear now if he's not scoring, he's not really contributing that much. Don't really want to sort of, 
have a go and I'm not having a go as part of a really successful team. But you, you know, you have to start wondering, you know, if we had a, if we had somebody else in that number 10 role, yeah, what, what more could we get? Yeah, maybe it's something that we just need to observe a bit more as well. Cause there was a moment in that game where I did see Pirot get involved. He might have won the ball back and spread it around for us in an attacking moment. I thought that's really good. And that's the sort of thing that I should write a note off and talk about in the podcast because it's the sort of thing that does go missing and I have forgotten when it was. But I think there is there is more of that with Pirot, Piru, sorry, um, that you probably don't see on some of the replays where he does help to kind of build attacks and even if it's just divert attention away from other players that are sprinting through. But just, just coming back a bit to Ampadu and shortly after that, he pinged a ball like from really deep to Byram on the left-hand side. It was like absolutely mm-hmm. per- perfect. And, and I think even shortly after that as well, he had a, a, a shot from distance. One that you mentioned, Don Goodman, he commented on. Uh, and Adam, who I sit next to, me- messaged me because it's funny that he, he noticed it as well. And he said, oh, Ampadu has, has a good strike on him. Don, that's Don Gum- Goodman who said that. Now, I am not meaning to dig, dig Ampadu out here because I am all for him scoring at some point for Leeds and I really hope he does. But I would say that the strike, a, a good strike on him, which is what he said, is is probably based more on his bowling stats than his goal scoring stats because he has scored one goal in his professional footballing career. So, Don, yeah, Don, Don Goodman's research is as good as mine. <laughs> when last week I called him, well, I called him Maresma, and the manager's actually called Maresca. So, you know, maybe I could get a job on. Yeah, uh, dear. Yeah, well. I mean, that ping was incredible to Byron. That was proper Calvin Phillips-esque, wasn't it? I don't know, but it was a brilliant ball. And yeah, I've got to say, to be fair to Goodwood, I did think exactly the same. I thought, oh, like, yeah, Ampadu's got a right strike on him. Why isn't he scoring goals? Yeah, he, he absolutely flew off his boot, that. Uh, maybe there's a complete one off. I reckon he'll score one. He'll score one this season. It's funny you should say that because I actually thought it as well. But as soon as it comes out of Don Goodman's mouth, you're like, what, what a load of absolute rubbish. It's like, I can't possibly be thinking the same thing as, as him. But I think there's, there's been a couple of games where Ampadu has had a shot from distance and maybe there is one in him this season. We'll see. Yeah, I actually didn't think Don Goodman was as annoying as normal, uh, funnily enough. And I also liked the ref. And it, again, it was pretty funny because there was a point in the first half where like, I thought, oh, the ref's actually like really helping this game. You know, it's flowing really well. He's not blown for all sorts. You know, it's just like he's doing a great job and then straight away the Leeds fans start singing you're not fit to referee at him. I think it must have been after one of the penalty appeals, which, yeah, I didn't think either were, to be fair. Did you? Look, I mean, they could be, but they weren't clear enough, were they? But I would say you're looking at this through, oh, well, Don Goodman in particular through rose-tinted birthday glasses, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> He'd obviously had a few sherbets. thinking, <laughs> he's all right, is this Don Goodman, isn't he? <laughs> no, he's not, Rocco. He's Leeds through and through. <laughs> Apparently. So we were passing it around really well um, around their box. Ampadu and Kamara were heavily involved. Um, and I thought that one of the big observations I made from them was that they were really good at supporting the wings where Leicester were getting a lot of their a lot of their attacking momentum to Leeds. I don't think they were getting anything through the middle. And yeah, they were just excellent at supporting out on the wings. What were your thoughts? Well, actually, I, yeah, I... I sort of noticed our wingers as being like really good at supporting the fullbacks. Mm. So like, I, I feel like just everybody, like the system looked so like coherent and just, well, it was just working perfectly. So smooth, you know, the, the way that everybody got back and defended, like we, 
we were just like pretty much perfect. Like I bet Farker must have been absolutely thrilled, like with the defensive setup, the way everyone knows their jobs now and are executing it to perfection. And yeah, I think like seeing Kamara sort of shake off any any sort of rustiness, not that he's particularly shown any, but you know, clearly he's getting better and stronger as as the weeks go by. I thought it was his best game, definitely. But I think you could probably say that for a few people, like Dan James, I thought probably his best game in a lead shirt. Just loving what he's doing. I just thought, yeah, defensively we were we were just awesome. Like, yeah, I think everyone played the part. Even Rutter, you know, dropping into midfield, you know, when he had to, you know, everyone's awareness. So we're just all completely on it. And yeah, obviously we're not going to come up in a, against, you know, better wingers than we faced on Friday. And we coped with them, you know, brilliantly, really. In my notes, I've put Kamara is a wall. <laughs> I mean, he, there's there's times, I don't know how he does it, where he sort of, he'll come and collect the ball and then he'll just stop. And he, he sort of lets a player run into his back and they sort of bounce off him. And then he carries on with the ball. He creates, he creates a yard for himself. Um, but he's he's just, yeah, he's he's becoming very, very good very, very quickly. And he is a bit of a shield when it comes to um, winning the ball, protecting defence, building into attack quite quickly. I thought he had a fantastic game. and We'll, we'll probably come on to him some more, I imagine. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, Byram took a yellow card quite early on when they were about to go on the attack. And, and I think that was sort of one of the things that left him looking a bit exposed in the game because he was on a yellow from that point. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Their right winger seemed to get the ball around him and cut inside. And he, he had a shot that sort of rasped off the crossbar. And I think he, you mentioned Byram and having a good game and he was very good. I thought he struggled in that match. And I don't know whether it was because the quality was, he was against, which it probably is, and also the fact. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was difficult coming up against a player like that. I mean, he's not going to, I don't think you can just expect him to have him in his pocket all night. Um, but I thought he did really well. Um, yeah, like he cuts, you know, the danger of that guy where he can just cut inside and hit a strike like that, you know, absolute quality. And, and he was going both ways as well. So yeah, difficult night. But second half especially, I thought he completely stood up to that. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been easy being on the yellow card. But no, I just, you know, that's the thing. Like you have to accept that, you know, top quality players like those two wingers are going to are gonna have some joy no matter who they come up against in the championship. And that's why I thought we dealt with it as a team, like so, so fantastically. Mavadidi, is it? He was over on the other side. Some Leicester fan posted a video of him, which I think was meant to be like a dig at Gray of him beating him. There was like one or two where he got around him. And I just thought like, it's a weird one to kind of, mention how or like try and expose Cray I mean they're Leicester fans so whatever but you think about it you think for his age how good he is against a player like that who would cause anyone problems I thought was really good and so it was a bit of an odd one that yeah I think m- mostly again because he knows that he's got the support like Gray would you know he might show him inside and let him you know like let, let him get a few yards knowing he almost like passing him on to the next person if he starts to drift inside I don't think he there was a couple of times in the first half, maybe where he, you know, managed to get to the line, maybe beat him like full blown beat him, maybe once or maybe twice potentially. But I thought Gray was just just magnificent. Like some of the touches of quality that he shows is, you know, the composure that he has in in tight areas, in very very dangerous areas, and that's what Farker said before the game as well. You know, having to be brave on the ball. You know, how how do you beat a team like Leicester? You know, bravery was his answer. And Gray, I think Gray's also in the team 
like for that, definitely, and which is crazy to say that he's 17, but also I, I do, I just feel like he's a, a real influence on the rest of the players, which again is crazy, but like I, I do feel like he behaves like a senior player. He's, he's an amazing, amazing talent to have in this team. It's exciting, isn't it? Like 17 years old, like what's he going to be like in a few years? Yeah, it is amazing. And I do get excited when I think about it. And I think as well, the other way that maybe there is some psychological element of, you know, when you, you're obviously, you can trust a player of that age and leave him of his quality and, and leave him to, to his own to you know, do his job. But also there must be a bit of a brotherhood of wanting to protect the 17 year old and making sure you've always got their back as well. So it probably makes people assured that he's there because he's got the quality, but also step up to, to be a protector of him as well. So. Yeah, it's a good dynamic. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a goal from a corner. Byram involved again. Obviously scored the header at, at Watford. And he, he moved really well. He sort of run across the six-yard box. He lost two men. Hardy and Cassidy, I think it was. Uh, yeah. they, they just didn't, they didn't stop it. Like, they weren't really, weren't really monitoring him or following him, which I thought is the sort of thing that our fan base would absolutely tear our defence to shreds if that happened. Yeah. Well, Vardy was like just invisible all night, wasn't he? You know, I, I was going to say like the between the two teams, there wasn't much difference, of course, but one massive difference for me was definitely Vardy being up front versus Rutter. You know, Rutter's massively influencing the game, involved in all the build-up and Vardy had about 14 touches or something ridiculous, like he was just a complete shadow. So yeah, nice that he can't even mark either. And we've seen that a lot from Byron. Like he's so dangerous from corners. And it was a very good header, decent save as well. And nice for Rutter to get his goals. He's been due one, hasn't he? So yeah, I was thrilled. I didn't know who'd scored at first because obviously it happened all pretty quickly. And then like every single player celebrated like they'd scored it. <laughs> they were so happy. They were all sort of running off individually, jumping around, punching their fists. And I was thrilled when it yeah became clear that it was that it was Rutter that got it. Yeah. Three goals now. Can he get another 17? I'd love him to go up to 20. I don't think he may, but uh, yeah, three three still poor, so we need to get him get him on a bit of a roll. Did you spot Jorginho doing the lead chest pump into the crowd as well? Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Absolutely superb. Oh, what mention for James as well with his corner. Great yeah. stuff, another perfect delivery. Yeah, it's a shame Byron got a header on it, isn't it? He would have got an assist otherwise. Yeah, oh dear. But yeah, it was it was a brilliant moment. They all and I think, like you say, they all celebrated because it was very much. And I'm glad they all did celebrate. And like you say, there was confusion in terms of I didn't know who'd scored it as well until afterwards. That they were all over there and it was busy, and there was a lot of just all of them just so excited to to get the goal as a team. And and I kind of like that because the team deserved that and they deserved that moment because it was a complete display by the overall squad. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was very, very good. Because, because you know, and the reason why I say that is because there's those sort of games in the past and I think in our recent history where we want to dominate teams to, to win matches. And I think we've mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago where it feels a bit odd to be okay with not having as much possession. I think we had 35% possession. But when you do it in a way where you're not just clinging on, you're not just parking the bus, you're actually doing good football or doing good football playing good football when you have have the ball it it doesn't matter you just it it's much it's joyful to watch it's not you know like being a Cardiff side and just clawing out a smashing grab in the last minute it's completely different 
Yeah, I mean, I'd like to know what the possession stats were at the half-hour mark. Must have been about level, I imagine. And then we changed the way we played, and you know, but we still were committing, you know, loads of men forward on counter attacks, and you know, looking probably more dangerous than them. Like I, I felt like the next goal. Yeah, I thought we were the most most likely to get a second goal if there was going to be one. But yeah, the togetherness, like you're saying, the celebration, like we've not seen it. Not really seen it that much, have we, over the past well, two decades? You know, seen it fleetingly and uh, it's lovely. It's magical. They just look like they're loving playing for Leeds. And again, I just love, <laughs> I love that. And I love how much the, the loanies are all struggling as well. That just like makes it even better to see every, after every game, you go on Twitter and Aronson's lost his 12th successive game and like Sinistera scored, but they lost 6-1. And I know it's so bitter, but I can't help just, yeah, enjoying it even more to see those guys suffer. It's good. Well, yeah, I, I'm always a bit like, I don't, I, I can't really say I like seeing them suffer because I think karma will bite me for saying that, but I'll think it. So that's all right. But I do think that, you know, there was big question marks. So certainly in, in terms of their mentality around leaving Leeds United, it was very much like, I'm too big for this. I'm too good for this. I'm off. But then to see it still not working out for them, it's like, am I the issue? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Which, which I think is probably what what's going on a lot more in their, well, hopefully going on in their minds. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, Boba was all set to stay. I mean, thank God he didn't. Because, like, Stroik is just amazing. It'd be very interesting to know whether Boba would have played. I mean, Cooper started the season. Obviously, we didn't have Road on then. Maybe we wouldn't have signed Road on. I've no idea what was, you know, because that, that was, you know, in Farker's plan. Farker was disappointed that Boba left. So, yeah, interesting that. Don't know what, what would have come of it, but I'm absolutely certain we're a hell of a lot better off without him. After their goal, after their goal, after our goal, they put us under quite a lot of pressure. I think there was a road on clearance where he nearly mm. collided with Melier. But the reason I mention this is shortly after we were kind of getting increasing amounts of pressure from Leicester. And there was one moment where one of their players sort of skipped around defence um, on the right-hand side, pinged the ball in, but it sort of ricocheted off one of our players and fell to grey. And the thing that I wanted to mention was that we were under quite a lot of pressure in, in the box and grey could have easily just smashed the ball up the field just to get rid of it, which would have just sort of lit a flare under their crowd, as you can imagine, you know, because it's like, oh, we've got leads on the rocks here. They're just having to smash it up the field. But he just played a really soft ball out to Kamara on the edge of the box. Kamara then dinks it to Somerville, who then passes it on to James, and then we tear up the field. And James comes inside on his left with it and forces a really good save. And I thought, I mean, it, 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 they were all brilliant in that moment. But I think for a 17-year-old to be that composed in the box under pressure was just fantastic. Yeah, that's the moment I was thinking about when you know when when you reference the Farker being brave to beat Leicester. And that is the perfect example, isn't it? You know, like you say, yeah, you boot that clear, and then you're still completely under pressure. But that's how. That's how well we played, even though we didn't have, you know, most of the ball from that point onwards. Like, we were, we were fantastic with the ball. Like, we were still making loads of chances. It's not like we were losing possession and just booting it away. You know, we were, we were just executing a brilliant game plan. And it was, it was great to see. I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't like nervous. Like, the, the, the second half didn't pass like particularly slowly. I just, I just, 
I just feel so confident, especially with Rodon. Like, I, I mean, Stroke, I can't speak highly enough of, but I do feel like Rodon's just the difference. Like, he, he's just amazing. And, and I just think with him and the team, I, I don't fear anybody. And to be honest, like, I was, I was annoyed before the game because I was listening to Phil Hayes' preview and, and he said, he said, like, I, I, I can't see Leicester not scoring against this Leeds defence. And I just thought that was like, was like, like really like disrespectful, really, because, you know, we're not coming up against Man City. You know, we're coming to get up against Leicester and we've got Stroik and Rodon and Melier behind them and, you know, the fullbacks and, you know, everything we've talked about, really. But yeah, you know, we already had the second best defence in the country anyway. Oh, sorry, in the championship anyway, before last night yeah, or Friday night. So... Yeah, that was a bit weird. And yeah, thankfully, I know, granted, we were about, what, one inch from conceding at the end. But yeah, nice nice to prove Phil wrong, bless him. Well, the word you, you mentioned well, that I plucked out there is disrespectful. And disrespectful springs to mind when Jorginho Rutter was subbed off and all the Leicester fans started to throw their paper poppies at him. It's like, well, you know, you observed a minute's silence of the last post and now you are are throwing poppies at our French ally, Jorginho Rutter. But yeah, that save at the end was just ridiculous. And Dean Smith in the studio said, oh yeah, you'd expect him to save that. It's like, come on, would you, <laughs> would you really expect someone who's not had much to do all game to make that save in the 95th minute or whatever it was? And Dewsbury Hall got away from ailing and I think there was a few people griping about it on Twitter, but I think it was just one of those where it was, I think you put any defender in that position and I think they might have also suffered with that as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, Dewsbury Hall, yeah, he got up, got up early, didn't he? I don't know. Maybe, maybe Aileen could have done better. To say that you'd expect a keeper to save that is barbaric. I, I think half the keepers in the league wouldn't even have reached it. You know, Melier's, what, six foot six and he's at full strength right into the top corner. The reactions, the way he clawed it out, the goal, you know, probably most keepers would have just flung an arm up and it'd have already been past them. I mean, like, think, I mean, it's straight away I thought Onana, like, he wouldn't even have got near that. Like, that, that was a goal. You know, no, you know, no chance he's saving that. And I think that goes for loads of keepers. I think it was a hundred percent a world class save. I think if you make that save in a World Cup or an FA Cup final, you know, you're talking about that as one of the greatest saves of all time. Like it was absolutely unbelievable. Like you can't really say that in a championship game that it was up there with Gordon Banks, but it was that type of save. It was unbelievable. It was, an, I mean, must have been the best save I've seen a lead keeper make. And, and, you know, I've seen Nigel Martin he used to make them week in, week out, but I don't think he made one in the top corner like that to claw it out. And that was something else. Incredible. I was really happy for Melier. I sent you that picture of Melier where oh, he's not even jumping, is he? Uh, he jumps sort of after he's, he's saved the ball. It just shows you how massive his sort of wingspan is. Uh, you just, you, you also mentioned Nigel Martin there. The one save that springs to mind was the one that he made at Old Trafford. Ah, yeah. And I yeah. think he might have injured his back when he did it. Yeah, sure he did. Off and injured after that. Yeah. I'll have to dig that out and put it on Twitter um, as a comparison. But yeah, both incredible saves. And yeah, we would have lost that game. Not lost. We would have lost points in in the Leicester game had he not made that save, and you could see how elated like everyone was at full time. Ampadu sort of went over to him and sort of grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, shaking, sort of shouting in his face and Melia's face, and and Jorginho ran straight on and and hugged him as well, and Archie Gray over to Melier as well. So just brilliant, like from front to back, amazing performance. Everyone did the job, and yeah, great great night. 
Yeah, the the thing about Melier as well. I mean, it almost made me a bit sad when, like, at the end of the game, the like the players are sort of telling him to go over to the fans and take the applause, and he was almost a bit sort of bashful about it. it like, it just I don't know. I feel like he's probably still sort of scarred from last season. Really, um, you know, not seen it in his performances, but you know, in that moment, he looks you know pretty sort of unsure of himself. Like it, it was, I don't know. Yeah, it just it sort of made me feel like really sorry for him. Like he should just be you know celebrating and and loving it because he's doing an incredible job and he's a massive, massive part of this team. And the fact that he stayed with Leeds, you know, that's that's going to make up for you know. That mistake against Everton and him playing pretty badly towards the end of the season ended up getting dropped, you know. We needed a world-class keeper last season and, and Melier was miles from that. And, you know, I'm sure, of course, it will have played on his mind. He's a professional and he's just been relegated and he'll have seen people lose their jobs and, you know, everything else that goes with it. So absolutely thrilled for him. And I feel like we're all going to get the benefit of it in the end because I, I still think he will be a world-class keeper. He's, he's of an age where he can get better over the next five, ten years. I'm sure he will. He's, he's got absolutely everything to be right, right up there. I think you mentioned two things there. One, he's a professional and, you know, and he also didn't play that well towards the end of the season. And I think it's a good thing to sort of keep a level head if you're a keeper, not get too carried away by one save. And you've got to look back at Liverpool last season. He had that performance where he was amazing he was man of the match he effectively won us that game how, how good he was but then all the bad performances did follow that and that wasn't just down to him as well but so I think it is important he keeps a level head and I think there is that going on and there is that humility that he has to keep himself his head head on the ground although is he a long way off it <laughs> um, so yeah really good professional and I couldn't be more happy with the eclair eating man well, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it was more. Like, that was his starter. He had, yeah. Well, let's not go into it again. Bless him. It was it a was, hot chocolate, a chocolate eclair, and a chocolate fondant or something on the eve of the game. Yeah. So right. he was, I'm he not was, bitter. He was spotted in uh, Betty's in Harrogate. Um, <laughs> for anyone who's like, what the hell are they on about? <laughs> cool. So, excellent. Um, I guess we're into player ratings. Yeah, I suppose so. What about um, Daniel Fark? Do you want to wax lyrical about him? The manager, the boss. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot to be said about Daniel Farker and what a good job he is doing. You know, if you wind the clock back a couple of months ago, and everyone was in panic mode on Twitter coming into the new season, and you know, prior to the the transfer window shutting, everyone was like, "We need more players. We need to keep players." Full blown panic mode, and but he's always remained a steady head, and he's he always kind of communicated way more than anyone else did at the club about the situation and how it was being handled. And I think you know all that stress that he documented in in all of his interviews with the press in the run up to the season and post games as well has hopefully started to ease a little bit, and he can sort of manage the season a lot more. So yeah, just just amazing, and and got the game plan perfect against Leicester. He did. He's unbelievable. A um, couple of things that I've disagreed with this season, a couple of mistakes <laughs> as I see them, but like irrelevant compared to the unbelievable job that he's done. Like the turnaround is just nothing short of sensational, really. Like he, he came in and had, I think, one of the hardest jobs that a Leeds manager in our lifetimes had. It was 
just like we were just completely on our knees and to be at this point to be this good of a team you know three months into the season I think is just remarkable so absolutely all praise goes to him I think he's yeah like watching the game on telly as well I think I think it sort of yeah makes it a bit clearer and especially playing a team like Leicester like I, I feel like it showcased probably for the first time how tactically astute he is because yeah most by all the games this season pretty much apart from Southampton you know we've dominated them anyway so we've not really had to see him set up a team to not concede a goal or you know do anything a bit different than just trying to control things and and yeah just so impressed like it's just just amazing loving it absolutely loving it I can't believe that he's failed so badly in the Premier League with Norwich I know obviously he didn't have the tools but I'm really excited hopefully to see it next season with Leeds because I feel like he can he can do a great job slow down Rocco <laughs> slow down although one thing to kind of maybe back that up or terrify us so last time we'd scored 28 points after 15 games when was that oh 2019-20 correct yeah <laughs> last time was under Bielsa so there we go and I obviously mentioned in the in our chat as well that I sent you a screen grab deliberately of teams results and their position in the table across the season to to for you to kind of guess who it was and Yes, Sheffield United in the 2018-2019 season. It was obviously Bielsa's first year in charge at Leeds. We were tracking first, second all season and Sheffield United were sort of tracking in the playoffs all season. And then they obviously beat us at Ellen Road, uh, which was an awful day uh, in the rain. I remember being in the East Stand for that one, East and Lower getting absolutely poured down. Sorry, getting blasted with rain from from the stand just dripping on me it was awful and uh, yeah that kind of turned their season around it was a kind of you know the cliche big six pointer against us and they went on a good run and ended up finishing above us but it just goes to show you you know as long as we're sort of there or thereabouts competing anything could happen yeah absolutely I mean I've I've said it I've said it yeah quite a few times probably but there is so long to go there is so much that can change like the thought of Ipswich just steadily merrily collecting win after win after win it's just not realistic you know they're gonna have injuries suspensions drops of form there's gonna have pressure come onto them you know fixtures coming up thick and fast you know it's like things change like, who knows they might lose the manager you know something might happen in january like there's as we've seen at leeds under bill so like you know all sorts of challenges were thrown up as the season progressed that season when sheffield united got us you know, Samuel Saiz putting in a transfer request, you know, injuries to, you know, blah, 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 just, yeah, anything could happen. And Ipswich are going to, you know, if they get to 90 points, they'll have done incredibly well. And I think the, the real, the real quiz is leads, you know, how close we can get to a hundred points. And, and I don't, I don't think that's being unrealistic. You know, I think Daniel Farker has done 94 points for Norwich and then 97 and, I pretty much guarantee that this Leeds team and squad, like it can't not be better than those Norwich squads that he got those amount of points with. And I don't think he's got that monkey on the back that other managers have had at Leeds. Like often we've had good first half of the season and then it's tailed off and I just don't see it this season. I think we're going to go from strength to strength. Just hope the Bain players stay fit. I think we haven't got the monkey on our backs because Farkas grabbed the monkey and kicked it up its arse, hasn't he? Oh, God. 
You actually got me worried there when you said anything could happen in January to other teams and, you know, they might lose the manager. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, for crying out loud. Like, what? So what? Like, Rodon's going to get recalled. Um, Nonto goes. We haven't got as much support. Of I know. I, I thought that when I started going, saying that we're going to get better and better. And then I thought, actually, hang on. I've just completely contradicted everything I just said about Ipswich. But, uh, yeah. That's my That's, mindset at the moment. There's talk. Amiri, um, you might have seen it in some of the Twitter conversations on, on reporting on a couple of websites. He he's regretting not moving to Leeds after only playing twelve minutes in the Bundesliga this season. There you go. That might be one in for January. Yeah, funny one, isn't it? What do you do? I mean, obviously Parker likes him, but twelve minutes. I don't know. Yeah. Did I? Do we have to start worrying about January yet? No, let's, let's not. Enjoy where we are. Yeah. Cool. Play ratings. Yeah, let's do it then. Straight in for Elan, the Iceman. Good have to give him a nine. Yeah, easy. Nine. Lovely. Great save. So all, all that needs to be said. Archie. Uh maybe eight. What do you think? I think that was fair. He was beaten a couple of times, but overall did a cracking job. Yeah, I don't think nine. And probably the same for Byram. Um, you know, again. Closer to nine than seven, but eight's probably fair, isn't it? Yeah. Rodon, I mean, I'm definitely giving him a nine. I could even go higher because I think he was Ooh. completely perfect. And we're playing the league leaders. Like, his centre-back's not going to score a hat-trick. Like, can we give him a ten? Did we come under enough pressure to warrant a ten? I mean, we restricted Leicester to having one shot on target in the 95th minute. Is it you- a ten out of ten defender's performance? I think it maybe is. You mentioned Vardy um, being poor and only having, I think it was 30 to 14 touches, you said. And is that how they played out on the wing and it's just defending really well? Because he's, he's on the shoulder and he's sort of on the counter getting past a man on receiving the ball over the shoulder. But is it Rodon? Is Rodon, is Rodon the reason? Um, I, think if, I think if it comes down to it, I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe feel tens a bit much. Yeah. I think he needs to score as well, or a yeah. last-ditch save. So yeah, I think I'm, I think nine's fair. Nine, okay. Pascal, again, what do you reckon? Eight or nine for me? I don't think you can give Rodon a nine and not Pascal. No, probably not. Nine it is. Shooting up the ratings. Ampadu, again, I'm struggling. Eight or nine? Probably nine. eight. Nine. nine. Nice. He, he yeah. wouldn't. He was the... He won a lot in our pressing game. He was he was winning a lot back high up the field, and I just thought he was yeah he had a, he had a great game, really good. Yeah. Well, then man of the match, Kamara has to be a nine as well, doesn't he? Oh, what about a ten? I don't know. That's a bit much. <laughs> what, <laughs> how, hang on a minute. How is that a bit much? We're just given. Well, he he gave the ball away three or four times for starters. What about uh, Central midfield has got to do more than that for it. He can't have a 10. I'm, I can't, I'm going to have to put my foot down. Put your foot down on that accelerator and pop it with a 10. <laughs> yeah, nine's fair. It's all a healthy debate, Rocco. Healthy debate. Yeah. Dan James, nine. 10. No, I'm with you. Nine. He had a, he had a good game. I think it, had he scored a goal, maybe a 10. But yeah. Or if, or if Byron hadn't got his head on that corner. Mm, yeah, that's he'd have got his assist. Uh, Cine, Cine, Somerville, <laughs> uh, Somerville, Leonay, I think. 
he was very good at bursting up the field and he doing he Somerville things. But I think, yeah, an eight's fair for him. His footwork's just an absolute joy, isn't it? Yeah. There were so many times where like we had the ball like like on the touchline or in the corner and like we always seem to win the throwing out of it. Like, you know, sometimes those situations go a bit wrong and the other team win a throwing off you. But yeah, I feel like our footwork is just so assured and just clever. They're great. Somerville's brilliant. But yeah, I think an eight is fair. Peru, I think I'm, uh, I mean, that sounds harsh now, but I don't think we can really give him, I think seven is fair. Yeah, I don't, I think everyone's just struggling, aren't they, to know how he fits in with everything. And, you know, we'll have a game where he scores two or three goals and then it'll be like, oh, that's, that's where he fits in. But I don't think we've, we've got that just yet. We haven't had it recently. And I think seven is a fair, a fair score for his performance. Yeah. Simple as that. Jorginho, I think eight. Do you want a nine for a match winning goal? I think eight's fair. And I think, you mentioned his performance and not being as good. I think he was just up against better players in a system that was is well choreographed, like Leicester are a good side. And I think that's probably what Farker was getting at in terms of, you know, saying to him early on in the season, don't show off. Because you've you do just need to do the simple things and do them really well. You can't always just be um kind of the sort of flair player that just takes people on all the time because you get to a point where that just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And it's a good point, really. And maybe we've not given ourselves enough credit. I know we've given ourselves plenty of credit. But like, you think about the midfield, you know, coming up against Harry Winks, you know, I mean, I've never really rated him, but he has played for England. Then Dewsbury Hall, who, you know, apparently is tearing up the championship. And then that Casadei, you know, Italy like one of Italy's rising stars, like I think he's valued at like 30 or 40 million or something daft. I think he's on loan from Juve maybe. And yeah, Kamara, Nampadu, just, you know, they they just didn't shirk the challenge whatsoever. They were, they were magnificent. And I did say last week, I wanted to see how Kamara did against Leicester before getting carried away about him. And I absolutely nailed it, didn't he? Yeah, nailed it and you denied him a 10. Well, who gets mad of the match then? Do we, does any of the subs, well, Gruev, you once, you once wanted to give him a 10 for a tackle that he made, so we could do that again, because <laughs> that was brilliant, <laughs> wasn't it, just after he came on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, was, he showed things off, he did a good job. Um, I don't know whether we need to rate any yeah. of the others this time round, but yeah, just really good. Everyone did the job, can't ask for more. Man of the match, Glenn Kamara for me, just thought he was absolutely outstanding. Won so much back in really dangerous positions, did simple stuff perfectly in tight spots he was making quick little passes which meant we could break up the field just an absolutely awesome performance and it's made me excited about him it feels like it's taken a few games for him to sort of properly bed in and, and I feel like we've we've got him now so yeah, it's going to be really interesting over the next few games particularly Plymouth at the weekend can't I absolutely can't wait it feels like ages since I've been to Ellen Road so looking forward to it yeah I I think I agree. I was going to give it to Rodon until I rewatched the first half. And I think I'll agree with you. Give it to Kamara. I think he deserves it. And yeah, I think, I think this is our 11 now. I think Archie is our right back and, and Kamara and Ampadu clearly up in butt to play together and they complement each other beautifully well. That is great stuff. A great team. Best in all the land, as some would say. And yeah, so mentioned there. Plymouth at the weekend 
Yeah, big game. Big scoring team, actually. They scored tons of goals. I say tons of goals. They scored similar to the amount we've scored, um, but they've also conceded 10 more than us. So it's going to be an interesting one. They pumped Norwich the other week, but Norwich are having a hard time. They lost at home to Blackburn today as well. So maybe not too much to read into that. So, yeah, what are your thoughts going into it? My thoughts, whilst touching wood, is that I can't see us, I can't see us not getting the win. I think the type of team Plymouth are, you know, yeah, like you just said, they'll score goals, but I still can't see them coming to Ellen Road and trying to score goals, you know, trying to outscore us. I think they'll probably come and they'll sit back and and try and hit us on the counter. And I don't think their defence will be good enough um, to, to hold us out. That's my hope. I really don't have a clue because I've never seen them play. Maybe they'll come and really impress. But yeah, very much looking forward to it. Like you say, yeah, been ages since I've been, well, in fact, in a 90-minute game without having to watch it back. So really looking forward to the game. And yeah, I'm going out first before the game. I'll be, I'll be on the beer. So I'm going to try my very, very best not to ruin it by being too drunk and getting the, the dreaded double vision. It's part of your Indian wedding celebrations, isn't it? <laughs> it is an Indian wedding, isn't it? Where you sort of celebrate for like six weeks or... Like, Maybe. I mean, I've heard of an Indian summer that goes on forever. So one of us is along the right lines. I'll look it up afterwards and embarrass myself at how, <laughs> how wrong I was. That it's not that at all. But yeah, have a, have a great time, mate. And yeah, I was just thinking, actually, I watched Ipswich play at the weekend as well. And just to keep keep an eye on it. And I, I mean, it's too early to be obsessing over other teams and how they're doing, but I thought I'll tune in and watch it. Um, and Birmingham were winning 2 0, and then they came back and scored, equalised mm-hmm. late on. And it's a bit like, oh, God, here we go, because I'll give them a boost as well. But I think I just need to ignore it, ignore the noise of other teams and just focus on what I enjoy. Well, I don't even know if I enjoy it. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, my glass is so half full that I'm, like, I wasn't even bothered that they equalised. Like, it's funny, again, like Phil Hay said on his preview, another thing that I got annoyed about was when he, he said, like, Leeds need result to keep Ipswich honest, which I thought was bizarre at this point in the season. Like, it's not February. So, but like, Ipswich getting that point, I think keeps us honest because, like, I think we're the ones that need to keep our feet on the floor. Obviously, I'm completely like in the clouds, uh, hopefully the players have got their feet on the floor and, and aren't quite as carried away as I am. So I'm even seeing the positives in that late comeback by Ipswich. What about that? And they yeah, used we... to call me pessimistic. It was only because we were bloody relegation fodder that I was pessimistic. We were going down. Now we're going up. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, what's the opposite of a pessimist? Optimist. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even know the word. There you go. You're definitely not an optimist. Best-selling author. It's the thrill of the chase, isn't it, Rocco? You, you know, when you're chasing first and second, there's looking ahead and looking forward is is easier than when we were at the top under Bielsa in that first season. And the nerves, the monkey on your back that you mentioned was was there to be seen. And all yeah. we need, basically, is Ipswich to do a Leeds. And, and we'll be fine. Absolutely. Brilliant. So yeah, thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks to Bass and Bly. Again, make sure you, you check out their website. And we'll be back shortly after the Plymouth game. Not sure whether Rocco will be. He'll might be he'll be on his Indian summer or whatever it's called. Um so Indian yeah, birthday. Indian birthday. Um so have a have a great week. Let's hope we get some points going into the international break because there's no better feeling. So take care everyone and we'll see you soon. Cheers. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.